You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in Sydney. I am Vinolia. I help connect businesses with tech talent. And today I'm your host. Welcome back to another episode of the Evolution Exchange Live podcast. Um, today I am joined by... Um, Robert O'Donnell, who is the Chief Operations Officer at um, Advance Atom, um, and Mazen Al Asar, who is the Technical Program Manager at Canva, and we will be discussing navigating the data landscape, which is you know talking about um, expanding domain knowledge. Um, my name is Vinolia Matlo, and today I will be your host. So before we get into um, today's topic, let's work our way around um, the room with some um, introductions. Um, Robert, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure, Vanalia. Uh Hi, everyone. Uh, Robert O'Donnell. Um, I'm the uh, Chief Operating Officer um, and one of the co-founders and directors of Advent Adam, um, which is an uh, Australian uh, vehicle autonomy uh, startup. Um, I'm also a, a consultant uh, for a government department, um, and I also do uh, several other side jobs, a um, bit of um, military stuff in the Army Reserve, a uh, bit of volunteering for uh, a few different organisations, a bit of business coaching and a bit of life coaching as well. So that's me. Amazing. Thank you for that, Robert. Uh, Mazen, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Benny. And uh, That's an amazing experience, Robert. Yeah, lots of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Mazen, and I'm um, the technical program manager uh, within Data Insights and Management Group. Uh, this is part of the Data Supergroup at Canva. Uh, so I've been with Canva for almost a year and a half now. And before that, I was uh, a project manager at Dell Technologies, and then I have come from an um, technical uh, IT experience as a network engineer and uh, data storage engineer. Um, so yeah, that's me. Amazing. Thank you guys um, for the introductions. Um, it's great to, you know, get background of both of you guys. Um, but now that we have established the context into each of you guys, um, let's move on to um, today's topic and focus. Um, and we have three questions that we'll be addressing or trying to cover today. Um, so let's kick off with the first question. And this question is, why is it important to use data-driven decision-making? Yeah. Um, so actually, I'll, yeah, let, let me start by some uh, maybe scientific definition of what is data. Yes, please. Um, yeah, so I'm... I'm not an academic person, but um, I've always thought of data as something different than information. Uh, so data in its simplest form, it's um, like raw, raw pieces of uh, context coming from different uh, areas. Um, it's um, unorganized, unstructured, um, coming from different sources or resources, as I said. Yeah. While in comparison to information, information is where you start uh, processing this data that you receive from multiple uh, sources, organizing it, structuring it in a way that uh, you can use to tell a story or take informed decisions, which is uh, the second half of your question. 
so this journey from uh, raw uh, raw data to information is what leads to uh, like that the data driven decision making. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it important? Well, I can simply re- uh, go back uh, to old ages, maybe as a sailor, uh, and imagine myself uh, without any sort of data or information and sailing uh, into the sea. Where am I going to land? I have no idea because I don't have the directions. I don't have uh, important information as the depth of the sea. Is it shallow? Is it deep enough? Uh, directions, north, south, stuff like that. Um, so without these pieces of information, without this data, I'll get lost. And I might lose great opportunities, uh, maybe as a sailor, to, to fish or to uh, like get some minerals out of the water, any, any stuff like that. So if you take this analogy and compare it to a company like Canva, without data, you'll miss great uh, growth opportunities um, as a company or even as a person. Like if I want to grow in my profession, I need to have some sort of information, um, like success matrix that will guide my way. Yeah. I need to put to myself and I need to measure against to know where am I going, am I growing in my area or no. Um, so this is how data will lead to taking strategic decisions um, by having this pieces of information. And um, if I'm to like give a live example, maybe as uh, in my profession as a technical program manager, um, I like, yeah, I could imagine myself on, or not imagine myself because that's my day to day job. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm working on a project or several projects and I'm managing and I'm having different, uh, engineers, uh, working with me, but they are contributing to several projects at the same time. And uh, you will get into a situation where, um, Definitely, you will see a project lagging behind because there are some uh, risks or issues happening there. And you will need to be able to move some resources or engineers from uh, a project to another. How will you know which engineers to move to this particular project and why this particular project? So you'll need some information like, uh, okay, what is actually the most important project? Uh, so you need to define some priorities. You need to have this, some data to be able to define the priorities of these projects. Like uh, how complex is it? What is the value that uh, this project is adding? And um, uh, um, yeah, the effort it's going to take and sorting this formula out, it will give you information that will lead you to be able to say, okay, this is, uh, my highest priority project, this comes in second place, this comes in third place. And then you shift to your engineers and see where are they spending their time. So if you don't have this sort of data, like, yeah, they are giving 20% on project number one and 50% on project number two. If you don't have these pieces of information, you won't be able to say where should they spend their time. But once you have it, once you have these figures, you will be able to move resources from a less prioritized project to your most important project or highest uh, prioritized project, which will lead to 
the maximum uh, value or outcome of. Um, so I guess this happens on maybe daily basis, reprioritizing stuff and uh, uh, yeah, moving people around according to these pieces of information. But that's that's only one example that I would like to give and highlight on the importance of data and how it leads to uh, like informed decisions. Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you for that, Mazen. Um, now, what, what are your thoughts, um, Robert? Mm. Uh, thank you. Um, I completely agree with uh, with uh, Mazen's start where we you, you actually need to contextualize what data is. Yeah. Um, it is information. Um, it's hard for us to, to I think, conceptualize data because, you know, we aren't computers. We are humans. We didn't evolve to have a data mindset. Um, and that's where it's uh, important um, to, to, to contextualize it, uh, particularly in terms of examples, metaphors, and stories, um, so that we can best inculcate it into um, how we do business. Um, it's certainly one thing to talk about data. It's very objective. It's very unintuitive. Um, I think uh, a lot of the approaches that a lot of organizations take to training it, such as um, merely, you know, paying for someone to do an online course um, or telling someone to go watch a couple of YouTube videos, it doesn't inculcate it, it doesn't cut it, and it also doesn't really uh, enable that data-driven culture. Um, you know, we are social animals, that's how we've evolved. Um, apologies for, for any creations out there. Um, maybe that's how I've made us. Um, but humans, we, we, we operate best in a social data environment. Um, and that is the best way to uh, inculcate data thinking, but also actually use it to make organizational decisions. Um, I'll give an example to contextualize it. Um, I mentioned before I'm in the military. I actually did that job um, up there for those who are watching. Um, artillery involves uh, shooting things at uh, targets you can't see. Uh, oh, and you wow. rely on um, other or other parts of the organization to to see things for you and to be able to communicate that. Um, but they also need to be looking at the right things. Uh, they can't just tell you everything they see because there's too many things. You know, it needs to be tied in with the organization's strategy. And so there needs to be a deliberate analysis that goes into that uh, data-driven so that you know uh, in line with your mission what information you need to seek but they're not just what the information is but what does that translate to what meaning do you derive from that in the military they call it intelligence there is a difference between information and intelligence intelligence has had analysis applied to it and meaning derived and data is the same data is intelligence um so i think getting that mindset right is the biggest hurdle for organizations once they they can understand how data fits in uh, and divorce the usefulness of data from the ones and zeros, which I think puts a lot of people off, that really enables that decision-making. Um, but I suppose to drive more specifically to the question about uh, why is it important? Because without data, you're bumbling in the dark. Yeah, you might achieve your organization's mission, um, but you probably won't and you probably won't achieve it effectively or efficiently. Um, so when you look at all the ways that you can use data or intelligence, um, you know, not only does it give you greater insights, 
um, into your market, your product, your organization. Um, but it enables you, enables you to make you know more accurate decisions. Um, you might be able to use it, for example, to analyze your cost, uh, your supply chain, and to work out where there are particularly inefficient or expensive points on that chain. Um, where you might be able to change your own internal processes um, to make them um, less costly. Uh, you may be able to use data that you source from um, Google, for example, to um, assess what your competitors are doing and how they do business. Um, and all of this gives you a competitive advantage. Um, but not just that, you know, you can look at your own customers, you know, you can do things like surveys um, um, uh, uh, to understand your customer behavior and their preferences. That's data. So being able to uh, you know, effectively understand your mission, work out the information you need to support that mission, and then collecting the data that feeds those information requirements. That's how you make uh, good decisions, and that's how you leverage it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert, you have touched a very good point about us as human beings, and that we are like. Um, uh, rely on social communication that's that's really great that, that's actually what i see is um maybe a source of data that we as human beings we rely on our experiences in life to um put this sort of data and then process this data into ones or zeros which makes everything clear to take decisions um so I really like that. I like that analogy that it's, um, if you think about it, experience is like a source of data. It's, uh, it, it will help you to, in situations like uh, capacity planning, for example, or any sort of planning based on your experience, you put estimates because like you, you don't have anything yet, but you need to create some information that will or some data that will help you take the decisions moving forward. Um, yeah, I like that. I just wanted to add that as like experience being looked at as a source of data. Yeah, no, thank you. And it's um, and and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, there, there's data. Data is critical. Um, but it's not the be all and end all. Um, there are things that um, you know, insights that computers and machines will be able to glean from big data sets. Um, but you know, the true innovation, um, comes from the human and the experience and, and the, the, the way that we think, which is just so vastly different to computers right now, as we understand it. Um, it's when you can, uh, you know, harness the powers of both the machine and the humans that that's when you're really humming along. So absolutely a hundred percent correct. Muslim. Okay, great. Thank you guys, um, for those, um, great points. Um, Robert, you actually made a great point there with regards to, uh, you know, gaining a competitive advantage. Now, our second question is, how do we then leverage um, this data to gain a competitive advantage or competitive edge? Mm. So uh, it's a, a big question. Um, and I'm sure we could uh, spend, you know, several podcasts actually discussing this in detail. Um but, uh, you know, automatically when, uh, I guess you can look through it as a, as an internal and an external lens. 
you can use data to uh, firstly better understand yourself as in your organization um, and then you can better uh, you can use data to better understand the the systems that you operate in um, the external stakeholders uh, such as you know not just your customers your competitors regulators um, you know it could be adjacent um, industries suppliers yeah. uh, consumers um, so so when you understand I guess uh, your organization's place within the the complex system or eco or, yeah, ecosystem environment that you operate in that's where you'll truly be able to see those opportunities to exploit now this sort of also goes to that human data dichotomy we were just speaking about yeah because there will certainly be insights that will be gleaned from the data for example um if you've got um a well and let's just say a spreadsheet a spreadsheet full of numbers um full of costs for example and there is a very obvious anomaly let's say a number that is several times larger than the others that could indicate or already that there is an opportunity for you to uh, fix something now not necessarily it just could mean that your data needs more cleaning potentially which is you know another another whole issue about data yeah. but automatically that could i highlight something that you could fix to get an advantage um alternatively it's by applying insight the human insight over that data that you may actually determine what the advantage could be so for example um, there may not be anything that particularly jumps out, but using your experience, you may be able to identify, you know, macro trends, or you may be able to say, for example, um, at around this time where we start to see a slight change in the numbers, that correlates with something bigger I know was happening, like COVID or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, by by leveraging the experience and the the machine insights that can be cleaned, that's where you can get competitive advantage. Okay. Thank you for that, Robert. Um, your thoughts, Mazen? Um, well, I couldn't agree more with, with what Robert is saying. And um, actually, I would like to give not a personal example, but... Um, some sort of uh, exercise that um, uh, we do in Canva when, um, as, as TPMs, as technical program managers, when we uh, first join, um, is that everyone in their area, we uh, start having what we call a debug delivery. We start listening, uh, having um, uh, listening tours with uh, our stakeholders in our groups or super groups um, to hear from them what is what is going wrong uh, if, if there's anything wrong or like how can we improve what yeah. uh, are the problems in in, in the space uh, things that will give you uh, some insights and will help to create opportunities of uh, of improvement in your area um, uh, like implementing um, uh, new exercises that the teams were not um, uh, aware of before that will make uh, like their life easier because we, we are speaking to engineers. So engineers um, have a different language than what 
program managers usually do. Uh, you, you try to convey your message into facts and into numbers that they can uh, really grasp the value and the importance of what you are trying to implement. Uh, so this is where you can leverage this sort of data that you gather by listening to everyone into something implementa implementable based on uh, the value that you are going to give to your uh, key stakeholders. Whether there are leaders, whether uh, they are uh, engineers, um, so that's that's one aspect. Um, if if I'm speaking on like uh, the human being level, yeah. Actually, the the other part is is also related to the human being level. So, um, as a company uh, like Canva, growing big and uh, always. Uh, leading the market uh, into like d discovering new areas into the market where we leap in and we uh, challenge different competitors, you always need to rely on data. You need to rely on numbers and uh, and facts to be able to compare yourself with others. Um, not a comparison that I want to do similar things that uh, different competitors are doing. No, I want to lead the way. I need to know where am I in terms of numbers compared to uh, compared to what is there in the market. So we always listen to our customers. Listening to customers is, is the source of data that you gather uh, to know what they want uh, to be able to delight the, our customers. Um, so yeah, this is uh, like I guess leads leads you to be able to gain a competitive edge in the market by knowing what your customers want and what is missing. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you for that, guys. So we have a question from Abby, and she wants to know um, what strategies or approaches can um, businesses use to collect and analyze data effectively? Um, Robert, do you want to answer that for us? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's a it's, it's a really good question. Um, it's it's also a really hard question to to give a good generic answer to, um, because you know it, it is so specific uh, to to I guess a particular circumstance or a particular problem, um, and a particular uh, market um, sec sector as well. Um, but I'd say, you know, in, in line with, I guess, the, the, the things we first, we've discussed previously, uh, the first thing really is to, to understand, you know, what's your purpose, what's your mission, um, and, and really define, I guess, the, the, the clear objectives of, of, of what you're seeking to achieve. Uh, the, the data is, is a tool. Um, it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, it's, it's a way of getting to the solution, but you need to understand what the what the solution you know could look like and what what you need um from that i guess that that that's this is where you really sort of need to drill into more of the the how so you know what uh what rules are you going to or what processes are you going to put around the, the data collection um do you have rules um that are that come from legislation for example or do you have company policy uh that may guide uh, how you need to do that do you need to consider um, different laws and policies over multiple jurisdictions if you're an international company, for example? Mm -hmm. um, 
you also need to consider um, how you'll manage it. Um, you know, what database you're going to use, um, what information that you need uh, to be able to uh, make it useful. Um, and, and to make a really, to contextualize it, to give a really simple example, um, you know, if, if you decided that, you know, you're going to um, collect the information via a survey, um, you know, you, you're going to want to write the questions in such a way that you can construe meaningful information out of, of what you collect. Um, now, a lot of surveys, for example, will ask you, you know, how old are you? Um, yeah. you know, what's your gender? Um, all of that sort of stuff. Because without understanding particularly, I guess, those customer segments, it can be really difficult to to turn that massive information you get back into in, into something usable. So you really need to think about the cataloging piece. Um, the collecting piece, well, there's a, there's a myriad of ways you can do that. You know, surveys is one. Um, you know, uh, website searching is another. Paying companies that specialize in this or who have already collected data um, is another another way of doing it. There are whole data sets that you can literally just buy um, everything from people's you know, names and uh, phone numbers all the way through to, uh, you know, their, their purchasing preferences, a whole bunch of things. Um, understanding the quality as well. So you're going to get junk data. You're go- and I mentioned data, uh, data cleaning before. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a real science and art, I guess, to, to making the data clean which means making it consistent accurate and useful because if it's not um, it can completely throw out your metrics Um, but you also need to understand how to integrate it as well so if you're getting data from different um, different sources how do you integrate that into the one source to rule them all how do you put that into your chosen database Um, so for example you know if you're getting information from people uh, call calling and you're also getting information from SurveyMonkey, and then you're also getting information from a spreadsheet that you bought from uh, the, the data harvester. How do you make all that data look the same? And that's a bit of a challenge as well. Um, other things, you know, you need to consider the security um, and the compliance. You need to consider, um, you know, how are you going to analyze it? Um, if it's a small data set and it's relatively simple, you may just be able to extrapolate it. You may be able to read it. You may be able to just put it into uh, Excel or something like that. If you're talking reams of data over, you know, many, 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 I don't know, let's just say for Excel columns of responses, you know, you might need um, an analysis tool that is actually purpose designed to draw out those insights. And on that, and going going back to that human machine nexus again, is how do you visualize the data? How do you tell a story from it? Um, it's all well and good to be able to sit in, in front of a spreadsheet um, even if you can personally intuitively grasp that how do you tell that to the executives and the decision makers um, how do you convince them um, and I'm sure we've all seen that you know data can be manipulated to tell any story you want it to tell depending on what graph or whatever you however you chose to show it so you need to give some thought up front to to how you want to display that information and, and how you want to use it to convince and to achieve your end state, your goal. Um, from that, you know, I, I guess if, if you're playing a long game, if it's not just a one-off collection, you also need to consider um, how do you continuously monitor um, the, the data coming in? 
how do is there a need for a feedback loop so if you use the data to implement change how do you then observe that change how do you collect data on that change to then show you that your data collection is actually working and that it's the right approach um there's a whole whole bunch of other considerations but i, I guess they're for me they would be the the main ones oh great thank you uh mazan do you have anything to add on to that yeah i'd like actually to add two um key aspects um that that will help you define the strategy or approach to collect the data um so one one thing first will be what is the problem i'm trying to solve mm-hmm. if you understand this first you will be able to um uh tell what data do i need and uh, from where do i get it uh if i don't know what is the problem i'm trying to solve you will just be collecting lots of data and then it will be sitting there unuseful uh maybe it comes to a use in the future but then it will become all data that you can't rely on um so um, this this actually leads to like the the second aspect which is the freshness of data how how fresh and how uh, new the data is that i can rely on yeah. um and i need to take into consideration as rob said like the security aspect you need also to consider uh the cost and the cost will come from different factors like the security is one thing uh the the computing and the storage is is another aspect is and uh like if if i think about it from the beginning from the journey of the data from the beginning by understanding the problem and i know why do i need it i'll be able to um limit the amount of data that i that i'm able to store mm-hmm. um and there are lots of tools that that can help do this stuff but we must not forget the human factor as well in this like um the data scientists and the people that uh, are able to grasp the insights out yeah. of this data uh, storage engineers and <laughs> understanding um, where will i store this data and like making sure of the security aspects as well so yeah you definitely need to know who are the people that are going to deal with this data and how they are going to deal with it what the roles and responsibilities are in each uh stop of this data journey from the problem up until to the consumer amazing hopefully that answers um abby's question now um this now brings us to the third and uh final question for today and the question is how can you leverage um this data to gain um no sorry um it's how do you turn the complex information into simple language yeah that's that's an interesting one uh because we live now in a very fast changing world where again as i was answering abel's question uh on the freshness of data mm-hmm. uh you need to be able um to turn this data into something that your consumers are able to understand um so infographics uh, charts uh images so it, it really depends on who your audience are like learning first your audience learning your stakeholders um as i said everyone has a different language to interpret this data or what you are presenting 
Um, so if if I'm speaking to uh, engineers and trying to convince them maybe with uh, the importance of uh, uh, a practice, uh, I'll need to translate the data I have into um, something visual that they can understand. Um, if, if I go back to um, the first example that I started with, like comparing the priorities of the pro projects and showing uh, where we are spending our time. So maybe something simple as, uh, as a bar graph um, can give insights of whether we are um, like spending the right amount of time in, into one project compared to the other. Imagine a high-prioritized project, and uh, we are only saying that we are spending 10% of our time or of the engineer's time on it in comparison to a project that is uh, nice to have, but we are spending 90% of time on it uh, because it's an easy thing that they can do. When we come to a complex situation like this and we want to take an informed decision, showing these figures will easily convince everyone of, yeah, we are definitely heading into the wrong direction. We need to shift. We need to move engineers from at the second project into the first one. Um, so this is a language that uh, engineers and leadership can understand. Um, as, I said, as, I, as I said, we live in a visual era where everything is relying on, the, uh, on images or, or visual data. Uh, so maybe what you present to children or kids uh, will be in, in a different way um, so I'm, I'm like yeah I'm, I'm trying to imagine uh, a kid that you want to um, convince them of the importance of uh, food for their health and growth and stuff like that definitely you can't give them bars and, and graphs and see that tell them yeah if, if you eat this, you are going to grow by this amount. Like, he won't be able to comprehend that or understand that. You, you need to put this data or information into something that they can understand, something visual. Um, but I can't use the same methodology to convince uh, the leadership of uh, the importance of a feature that we want to implement, for, for example. We need to... Um, maybe correlate data from different aspects and uh, tell them that, yeah, this feature is not important to our customers because based on the data we are seeing uh, or we are gathering, um, the cost of producing this feature is not creating the, the value that we have uh, interpreted or expected uh, our consumers to be to be using it or leveraging this feature. So, again, the language will differ, uh, but it's always easier to to make to turn things into a visual aspect. So everything like it, it will catch your eye naturally. You will be able to spot the differences. You will be able to spot uh, anomalies in a certain array of data when you show it by by graphs or infographics or or things like that. N not just numbers in a sheet. Um, yeah. All right, great. Thank you for that, Mazen. Um, your thoughts, Robert? Yeah, look, uh, absolutely. Um, Mazen has hit the nail on the head. 
um, understanding the audience is is a challenge. Um, I, I think it's one of those um, one of those considerations that people don't give enough thought to, um, because uh, firstly, defining the audience that the, the the intended audience in and of itself can be difficult, and trying to understand what they need um, is problematic as well. Um, if you're not, for example, um, you know, some senior company executive of, of some massive company, um, you know, you, you may not necessarily understand the pressures, uh, the time constraints, the the knowledge deficits uh, or insights that they may have at that level. Um, so you're, you're really trying to, um, I guess, second guess what that audience wants. Um, where it can get more complex is, is sort of trying to understand the second and third order effects of the information you're presenting your intended audience, as well as the fact that there will be unintended audiences. So, um, you know, are you writing uh, a, a brief, for example, that needs to be staffed up through multiple levels of a hierarchical organisation? Will there be stakeholder engagement along that journey that will slow things down? Could your brief be sent to other organisations or could it be released publicly in the media? Um, would it need to be sent to, like, let's say, ASIC or you know, a regulator? Um, so the way that you construe um, the, the data in, into something meaningful um, can be very, very complex. Um, uh, and, and for all those reasons, Mazin said as well about, you know, aside from all of that complexity, how do you actually display it? Um, you know, do you use a, a, a bar graph? There'll be people in your organization that will intuitively have their own bias towards or away from that. Um, there will be probably more technically focused people who may want that, um, whereas there may be others who absorb information in a, in a better way. They may they may not want a graph at all. They may simply just want a sentence and a brief, and they just might want to know that it, that sentence is backed up with data should someone question them on it. So understanding the audience, for me, is the, the most critical way. If you can understand the audience, intended and unintended, you'll probably get the language right. Okay, great. Thank, thank you guys for that. We have um, another question, which is from Ritesh, and the question is, are there any best practices for presenting data in a way that is um, easy to understand for people? Um, yeah, sure. The, there are lots of practices, but again, the key uh, aspect will be who your audience are. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe like general, general guidelines uh, is first like, Use visualizations, use visuals wherever possible uh, to be able to show uh, or convey the message that you want. Uh, graphs, charts, diagrams, something uh, numerical. Like if, if there is a need to show numbers to, to compare between uh, different things, absolutely go for it. You use numbers wherever possible. Uh, percentages, uh, but this, again, de depends on who your audience are. So numbers might be confusing to some people. Um, uh, even the, um, to what degree or to, what, um, to, to which extent you go with numbers, uh, 
might might be a good practice. Like you, you don't need to uh, show fractions, for example. Uh, you need just to use absolute numbers uh, where possible. Uh, but if you if you show something like comparing comparing whatever comparing x to y and and showing that yeah x leads y by uh, two thirds maybe something that the eye can't catch where you can show it as an absolute number um, especially when there are lots of data sources that you are comparing with uh, is something that will clearly uh, deliver the message out um, so this this goes back to maybe a like a second or a, th a third good practice is to keep it simple um, keep your data simple avoid technical jargon avoid complex formulas um, so that's that's another key thing um, organizing your data and taking care of the colors uh will, will be like a helpful uh aspect there so um, the, the eyes tend to catch everything that is beautiful but if you if you are mixing colors that don't go together like it will repel people off the screen just by by seeing it this way uh, so yeah try try to take this into consideration the organization of the data um in for data not being cluttered everywhere it's just shown in like uh, grouped together wherever it's related uh using labels and using legends so people can understand what is this is it a percentage percentage of what um uh, any symbols that you are using like clarify it uh, again wherever possible yeah. uh yeah, and highlighting maybe key points like emphasizing on on important uh, uh, aspects that uh, you want to show. Uh, again, you can use colors for this. You can use uh, uh, marks or highlighting, um, and um, well, Canva is 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 very good at highlighting this. <laughs> so there are lots of features where you can just. Uh, Go, go go draw a highlight on something that you want to make it obvious to the eye. Uh, there are lots of catchy features there that you can leverage to be able to show uh, your your data and send the important message that you want to the audience. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that that's it. There are definitely too many practices that you can take into consideration. But if if I'm just narrowing down is Use visualization wherever possible. Keep it simple, um, organized, and use clear labels. Okay, great. Um, thanks for that, Amazon. Thoughts on that, Robert? Mm. Look, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's a really fascinating question because it, it really talks to um, like human psychology here. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, really, when it comes to presenting data... Um, it's marketing, um, it's psychology, it's trying to convince someone of something. Um, I personally find um, psychology a, a fascinating topic. Um, so the, the first thing I, I'd say is, again, like it, it does come down to knowing your audience, but it also comes down to knowing yourself. So, um, you know, 
most people are sort of drawn to or um, put off by similar things. Um, all of those uh, examples um, and tips and techniques that Mazen gave are absolutely correct. Um, and they are very, very sound generalizations for a reason um, because they work for most people. Um, so what I would say is, uh, firstly, in your own life, look at different ways where data has been presented and what you have found personally appealing and what you have found not compelling um, and analyze why. Um, you know, was it purely the data that was on the screen? Um, was, it the, um, was it the surrounding environment and the story that went along with it? So, for example, um, you know, if there is a the world's best bar graph, um, but you know, it's on a it's on a roadside sign that you're driving past at 100 kilometers an hour, is that an effective display of data? Well, no, it's not. It's there's no time to absorb it. Um, if it's too complex, it's too cluttered. Um, if the if it's part of a discussion like this, and what's being said doesn't correlate with the data you're seeing. Um, you're not going to be able to concentrate on both and it won't provide a unified story. So um, as well as the fact, you know, that if I, again, have the world's best bar graph and the world's best best, best speech and I'm, you know, dressed in um, my best, you know, wife beater and in stubbies and thongs, um, drinking a beer, it's not going to be convincing so there's this big human psychology aspect around how you present the data. Um, I, I guess further as well, there, there's all those things that Mazen said, you know, having um, having a good platform like Canva, I used it personally. It's very, very good. I can recommend it. Not getting paid to give that plug, by the way. Um, but, but having the right tools makes a big difference because we are limited by, you know, our own experience and our own creativity. Um, our ability to, to come up with our own unique ways of displaying data um, will be limited by experience and time um, and the computer we're using in a whole bunch of things, fatigue levels, etc. Um, but, but having the tools that can do that and that can actually display raw data without you having to manually draw bar graphs and, and line graphs and things like that, um, it's powerful. And it also removes a really important aspect, which is human error. Um, whenever you introduce humans um, into data systems and computer systems, you are going to introduce the uh, potential for errors. So um, the more that you can automate the presentation of data, the cleansing of data, all that sort of thing, the better. Um, little things like, um, uh, I guess, understanding what your presentation or your slide looks like, not having spelling mistakes, because people do tend to narrow down on, even if they're irrelevant, they'll focus on that and it will detract from your credibility and it will detract from the credibility of the data. Um, again, like Mazen said, choosing the right visualization, um, making sure that the right information's on there, but not too much. Um, you don't want text and like lines and lines of text. You want the, um, the visualization, visualization to speak for itself. Um, sometimes it's good to not have uh, to deliberately exclude information uh, because it makes people engage. Um, mm. If people have to ask a question, um, they're, they're more likely to buy into it. Um, if anyone's familiar with uh, marketing funnels, there's five five steps to a marketing funnel. You identify the problem, the solution, uh, you give the objective facts, you give the 
the sort of uh, emotional story to connect people and then the call to action well the call to action may or may not be relevant for what you're doing here but the rest of it's the same um, and if you can get that sort of engagement on a human level um, your data is more likely to uh, successfully result in the outcome that you're seeking um, in terms of the visual display like don't be afraid of white space um, blank space some people think that they just need to obsessively fill it up don't you know it can be your friend it can draw the eye to different parts of what you're trying to show um, you can use animations um, you know humans are, I guess they're like the velociraptors from Jurassic Park that we, we see vision we, we, we a movement we cue onto it um, you know if there's a little animation over here you know our eyes will naturally be drawn to what's there and we'll look and pay attention to that piece um, so all of those little things um, you can sort of weave together you're not going to get it right every time and you're not going to get it right for every audience because everyone will have their own little preferences but there are um, standard general practices that you can use um, to, to, to present your um, data in the, in the best possible way. Robert, I'm fascinated by the way of how you connect the data world with the human psychology. This is, this is a very, very important aspect that uh, people tend to forget, but um, it's, it's essential. I guess it's the key way, especially that people from, from whenever we settled on Earth, People like stories. They like to hear stories. They like to tell stories. Um, so yeah, thank, thank you for bringing that up. It's it's a very very great insight. No, thank you. Yeah, it's um. I, I mean, I I I, I find psychology uh, fascinating. Like I said, um, uh, people do try to divorce um, things from it. You know, we, we've gone through paradigms where we try to define people as computers and, and all sorts of things. You know, it's um. We, we're, we're certainly at that, that that point now where we can sort of understand. Uh, you know. That we're not computers that there is a difference between um humans and computers um you know w w but you know there's strengths to both and it's just about um how do we leverage uh the, you know the, the strengths of humans and the needs of humans with the strengths and needs of machines data um to get the best outcome amazing thank you guys for that do you guys have anything else to add on um today's topic um no, uh, I just enjoyed it. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. well, I guess, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. No, it, look, it's been it's been really enjoyable. Um, I guess the the last thing I'd certainly talk about um, with you in this is is to talk about security. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a big problem at the moment. We've all been victim of you know um, cyber attacks. Um, yeah. No, whether it's a uh, a little phishing email that pops into our spam box, um, you know, all the way to uh, data being stolen from a from a company that we are a customer of, uh, to government hacks, etc. Um, so, uh, you know, data is a big deal. Um, privacy is a big deal. Um, there's legislation, certainly in Australia and most other countries, about um, how we manage, how we collect, and how we keep that data, how we keep it safe, and and how we uh, don't misuse it. Um, you know, it's uh, particularly, I mean, if you look at it from a governance lens, um, cybersecurity and data management is pretty high on ASIC's radar now. Um, there's certainly been companies that have been taken to court by ASIC because their directors were not seen to be taking, um, uh, placing enough serious thought into data, um, into, into how its organization was using it and keeping it. 
um, nor into cybersecurity. Um, and, and really, they go hand in hand. Um, cybersecurity is is all about your data. It's it's that's what it's about. Um, cyber attacks are all about your data as well. Um, so so particularly for uh, you know I guess uh, Australian companies um, in the in the current geopolitical climate, you know we've got um, uh, various countries vying for superpower status. Um, not going to name names. Um, you know we've got. Um, in, in a very connected world, you know, even far off conflicts like Ukraine, Russia, um, you know, we're seeing um, increased cyber uh, attacks here in Australia for little things like, um, you know, uh, employees expressing opinions um, about that war, um, things like that. So security of data becomes very, very important. Um where your data is physically stored as well so if you if you want to do work for the government for example um you, you're probably going to have to go through like vetting processes and things like that but you're going to have to be able to show where is your data kept is it kept onshore is it kept offshore what protections um have you um implemented um all the way down to you know uh you know what operating system does your computer use um and do you then upgrade do, do you regularly update it with the latest software patches and things like that. So um, it's taken very seriously in the modern context. Um, and uh, I would certainly encourage you all to to understand that um, even right now, if your data um, might not, you don't think it's attractive to someone, it probably is, and they can probably find novel ways to use it. Great. Thank you for that, um, Robert. Um, now, this brings us to the end of our um, podcast for today um, on navigating the data landscape. Um, I'd like to say a huge thank you to um, the both of you guys, um, you know, uh, for sharing your thoughts in today's conversation. Um, and once again, um, my guests for today have been uh, Mazen Al-Asara um, from Canva as well as um, Robert O'Donnell, O'Donnell sorry, from um, Advent uh, Atom. Um, thank you so much um, for tuning in. My name is Vinolia Matou. See you next time. Mm-hmm.